you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wishes its middle name was Princess. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Sirius XM. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined in a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. We're back in the studio, and it feels good. It does feel good. It's real good. I learned, you know, about it soon after last show was uh, put up on air, that my mic or my voice in general was barely uh, audible to the to the. It's, For and that your was, first line, well, I'm, I'm just so saying, over like, this. I, I just it felt it felt <laughs> like a so little bit over. There was some sort of a plot going on where my voice was trying. Someone was trying to squelch my opinions. Is it <laughs> is it fair to wonder if Wes, just you and I on this one, is it fair to wonder? If there was some score settling involved here. Well, yeah, I think that's always fair. Mark has had his issues with our producers over the years. I And, and I also <laughs> noticed it's the only show that Greg was here with me since I've returned from a long sojourn. And suddenly Ooh. I'm off to the side in a white chair with a green fuzzy pillow and my mic is barely working. I did when I came into the studio. I got there early and Greg was already there, which is weird. And he seemed to be in the corner fiddling with some wires. So with something. <laughs> so like, hey, I, don't even up, blame, I don't blame the producer. I think yeah. he got into oh, you the... Think this is you Greg. Know, I thought that that's what Mark was putting out there, and that, now I'm putting it all together, you know, some context clues here. Greg in the motherboard, who knows what was happening? I don't like any of it. Greg in the motherboard sounds like his first album. <laughs> oh, hey, Dan, uh, you're here early. I was like, yeah. No, just, it's like 10 minutes before the show. Oh, yeah, no, I just, you know, got here. Just hey, I got, got another yeah, pair yeah. of new sneakers. Check them out. Oh, oh, how about the Yankees? It's like, what? Why is Greg asking me about the Yankees? Another pair of new sneakers. Check it out. <laughs> All right, this is the uh, Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Much to get to today. Now, training camps are really um, ramping up. Uh, almost everyone is either reporting um, already or, you know, Thursday, Friday, and we're in full swing. And you see it in the news because after weeks and weeks of, um, you know, let's call it what it is, a bunch of BSing between the heroes in the studio, you know, looking for stuff to talk about, um, you know, delving into topics that maybe don't need to be delved into. Uh, and sometimes that makes for fun podcasting. But now we have a lot of actual news to get to, Wes, and that's a bit of a relief, I got to say. You think? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So much news that we might even return uh, for the first time in some time, 8 O'Clock Delight. Wow. One of our favorite tunes. I could have used another few weeks of... No news. But I, yeah, now that it's here, this <laughs> influx is unwelcome on some level. I was trying to keep a good attitude about it. Um, also on today's show, Mina Kimes. We've teased it for a few, day, a few days now. Uh, she wrote about Baker Mayfield for ESPN, a great piece, and we thought it'd be fun to get her on the show and talk about it and got to know Mina a little bit more, who we've, uh, we've all been fans of for a long time. So Mina will join us as well a little bit, but before that... Now time for what we're hearing presented by SiriusXM. Let's do some news. Y'all know what time it is. This man covers so good. 
He finna have his own cell phone service. The man's so good, they finna give him his own jail for jailing county. Cause these receivers are on 24 hour lockdown. If you check his pockets, he got eight master locks in his pockets. They are on lockdown all season. The man, the myth, Jalen Ramsey. I know what it is. Oh, boy. Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that was the sound of the end of the big arrival era in the NFL for training camp. Jalen Ramsey killed it. It's over now because he showed up in an armored truck with a hype man and a megaphone. And as you could hear from the crowd of seven. There's a, smatter, like a, seven? a smattering of like <laughs> maybe six to seven good. people. When the because he he as the hype man's in front of the truck yelling into the megaphone about how great Jalen Ramsey is. First of all, you got to imagine Jalen Ramsey in the truck, um, who has to be thinking because he he pulled up and saw nobody was there. He has to be thinking to himself, "Oh wait a second, this this may not be a good idea." Then when the the lock triggers to open up the the two heavy steel armored doors. That's louder than any of the cheers, which really tells you a lot about, uh, again, the turnout for this. And the whole thing was just a little bit ponderous. Well, if you're a talented young cornerback with swag in the NFL, the first thing they give you when you get in the league, your agent and then your family and friends, they give you the Deion Sanders handbook. And it's up to you not to be a cheap knockoff of Deion Sanders. It's up to you to embrace the character. And my problem with this, it was inartistic, and he did not embrace the role. He only gave it's us over a, now. He only gave no us one will do it over again. Of, half of the character there. I, I also, you know, you are a team where every other club in your division won nine, ten, or eleven games. You went five and eleven as one of the biggest disappointments, disappointments in the entire NFL. And so this is the year where you need to kind of get back together. Get those core leaders operating in unison, and you roll up saying, "Look at me! I want to open a truck. You need to give me more money." While like eight bosses and like four fans are standing there, it just feels like oh, a little bit. Can you picture Tom Coughlin? And I don't know if he knows Twitter exists, but if this video does uh, get into one of his um, old 1997 TVs that he has in his uh, in his study, oh, it's going to get there. <laughs> he's he's probably not going to be thrilled with it. anyway. So Jalen Ramsey now a cautionary tale for uh, you know how to ruin things. That would be like you rolling into the newsroom at 5:15 in the morning, <laughs> and you know turning on the speakers and shouting about how much of a raise you need with six people sitting there, four of them four months removed from USC. And everyone that makes about a tenth of the amount of money as you, well, a hundredth of the amount of money. Everything you just described except for the raise part, I've seen Warren Sapp do that in the newsroom. Yeah. You aren't wrong. He ain't in the newsroom no more. All right, let's get to it. Start with some surprising news out of Green Bay. The Packers made a cut that people did not see coming. NFL Network's Mike Garofolo reported Wednesday. The Packers are releasing defensive lineman Mike Daniels, a 2017 Pro Bowler. He was due $8 million 2019 in base salary, um, clears that money, and then some on their cap. 30 years old, has spent all seven years of his career with Green Bay. As I said, a Pro Bowl guy as recently as 2017, had some injury issues last year. Um, however, Wes, the Packers make the decision to move on. How about that? This comes at a time when they also extend Dean Lowry, who started last year as a rotational guy behind Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, But he's in the prime of his career, and Mike Daniels is just now exiting the prime of his career. Um, I I thought the timing was peculiar. If you knew this, I mean, what's changed between your spring practices and now that this couldn't have been done six weeks ago or two months ago? 
And Joe Banner, former Eagles and Browns president, had some pretty strong language on Twitter. He said, let's be perfectly clear. The releasing of veteran players on the eve of training camp is wrong and indefensible unless there are circumstances we are unaware of and have been clearly explained to the player and agent. It's just wrong. I, I, it's hard not to feel for anyone that gets chopped right here and suddenly has to pick up the pieces somewhere else. And Mike Garofolo, because now we have every reporter reporting all day long from sunup till sundown, said that the Packers had tried to make to complete a trade for Mike Daniels and just couldn't make it happen. I don't know what they were asking because this is someone that I could imagine someone giving something for, no problem. And then Stacey Dales later in the morning reported that basically that Matt LaFleur and the front office came to a point where they feel happy and comfortable with the guys you just mentioned and someone also like Zadaria Smooth who they can move inside and out and be flexible with. But if you're Mike Daniels, why could this not have happened two months ago where you've got time to pick up the pieces and move somewhere Does else. This have, and he'll catch up, assuming he is healthy. This is a good player that has um, years left and perhaps some extra motivation now after what's happened here. Um, but you wonder if, could this be as simple as a bottom line situation? We saw that report a couple of weeks ago, but the Packers reporting record expenses. They were flat year to year in terms of revenue, uh, or excuse me, they were down year to year in terms of revenue, almost had none. Uh, this is a different organization that's run differently. Are they are they just tightening up the purse springs, strings after spending a lot of money back in March? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, other news in the NFL. Taylor Luan, the all-pro uh, left tackle, one of the key pieces um, of the Tennessee Titans as they hope to get back uh, to the playoffs in 2019. He'll miss the start of the regular season, a four-game suspension after failing a drug test for a banned sus- a substance. Luan says he didn't knowingly take the prohibited supplement, and he did the new move, which you're seeing pop up now as these players get out in front of these announcements with a video on social media expressing either ignorance to how it could have happened or um, apologies to the fan base and all of that. So Luan um, says, you know, he had no idea. He's not a cheater, uh, but he has um, failed the test and he will miss four games. And that hurts a lot, Mark Sessler, a 28-year-old smack in the prime of his career. Uh, and a lot of people think ten- Tennessee is going to be better this year. Well, it's going to be a tough start without their best player. Well, I don't think this story is over. He failed the test, but he passed a lie detector test saying that he did not know that this was part of the mix of whatever What does that took. mean, though? Well, I, here's the thing. I, if you go look at the video, I mean, I don't, watching it, I thought that he made a compelling emotional case. And, and my, just who knows what he did, but from a human behavior angle, I don't think you go this distance if you know inside that you aren't, that this didn't happen to you versus you choosing this to happen. This guy is not a head case. He's someone that is super plugged into the team. He was emotional about where he left the team by getting the suspension. So I came away kind of thinking, I believe him. And I don't know if this needs to be a case by case thing too with the NFL where, you know, you can't just, uh, he's going to appeal it. And I, I hope he's heard. Well, to, no, to your point, um, the, Ian Rappaport reported today on training camp, Inside Training Camp Live that this has not yet been made official and there's no statement coming from the NFL just yet. They're still in the process of going through the different samples, making sure the first sample matches the second sample. So it's not a done deal, uh, but it seems like it could certainly end that way and Luan sees it coming, so he's, he's, he's fighting it. He's been their best offensive player. You know, the, the skill position players are not their best offensive players in Tennessee. 
Uh, and their right tackle, Jack Conklin, is coming off a bad year in which he had knee issues. They do have a pretty decent backup in Dennis Kelly, so I don't think this means – you know, watch out. They're never going to be able to score points in the first four games. But your biggest issue, if you're the Titans, is quarterback durability. And it has been. And this is the wrong guy to not go into the season with. Uh, holdout talk. Always fun. Um, Zeke Elliott's the biggest name. And I believe the Cowboys report on Friday. So we'll find out if he indeed uh, plans to hold out. Melvin Gordon of the Chargers did not show up to training camp on Wednesday. So his holdout is official. Uh, and Ian Rappaport reported that the holdout could be lengthy as the Chargers will halt contract talks with Gordon not showing up. That is not a great situation. Also in Jacksonville, the Jaguars, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, he'll hold out of training camp. Rappaport reported Wednesday that the pass rusher will not report to training camp with teammates. Uh, He skipped mandatory minicamp in June after contract desires were not met. So these are two important pieces of the puzzle right now not involved with the team. Quick fantasy note on the Chargers backfield. Mike Silver of NFL Network spoke to Anthony Lynn, the head coach, who said that 2018 seventh-round pick Justin Jackson will get a lot of reps in camp, and they have big plans for him if Melvin Gordon doesn't come back. I mean, they're going to have to. I mean, it's, it's all, it sounds the, pro, the, the front office does not sound like they're going to cave here, and that one is going to go on. With Nagakwe, they offered him a deal of a short-term $19 million deal with uh, over the first two years with $50 million plus, but $19 million per year, which would have made him the fourth highest paid player at his position. But I, that tells me that he, he has a better chance to get paid here sooner than later because they're already offering something. It, it just maybe isn't the terms he wants. Again, back to Joe Banner, I saw he was pumping up Ngakwe as a guy who should get Dexter Lawrence money because he's cleaner from a character and health point of view than Dexter Lawrence, I would just add he might be the pass rusher that Dexter Lawrence is, but not the same all-around player. Definitely not as good against the run. Uh, let's move to Cincinnati. The Bengals are handing out some money. Uh, wide receiver Tyler Boyd agreed to terms on a four-year contract extension worth $43 million. Tom Pelissero reported Tuesday the team leader announced the signing. The former second-round pick, uh, was slated to enter the final year of his rookie contract where he'd make about a million bucks. Now I'll make 11-3 in year one of this new deal, uh, 24 years old, 76 for 1,028 yards and seven touchdowns last year. And uh, Wes with the Bengals and A.J. Green, uh, who's been injured and not quite himself in recent seasons. Um, we'll see how many years he has left. But Boyd, the Bengals have identified as a part of their future. Well, he earned this deal by being one of the best number two receivers in the league last year. And if A.J. Green is healthy, which he hasn't been in a while for 16 games, this has a chance to be one of the better one-two punches at wide receiver in the league. Mike Brown, their owner, said that A.J. Green is one of the great ones, and great ones tend to age better than you know average players. So reading between the lines, this does not mean that they, just because they extended Boyd, they're looking at the end of the road with A.J. Green. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to have to deal with A.J. Green soon. He's entering in the, the final year of his contract. But the Bengals are not a team that goes out. They have to pay their own because they don't go out and sign free agents. Right. We talked about their offensive line as a major question mark. But you could squint. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the tight end Tyler Eifert, if he could stay healthy. You could squint and see this team with an ability to score points. And I think that goes back. And, of course, with Zach Mixon. Taylor now in the mix as well. Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, uh, Tyler Eifert, if he could stay healthy. Um, these guys can potentially put up some points, but 
if you don't have anybody to block. Well, I feel like we've the, the personnel hasn't changed much on offense and the skill position players. You know, they've had Mixon for a couple of years. They've had Boyd for three years. They've had Green the whole time. They've had Eifert. Kind it's, of. Kind of, you're right. But you, you don't know if he's going to be good for six or 16 games this year either. But it, offensive lines can kill an offense. If they just can. Uh, in other Bengals news, team president Mike Brown has been the face of that front office for years and years and years. He concedes in an interview uh, this week that Bengals fans are, quote, edgy, uh, disappointed. And he had this to say, we have to excite our fan base we haven't made a playoff appearance for three years, and in this business, that's forever. We have lost some of our hold on our fan base. We have to win that back. I mean, is count as progress, Wes, that, that Brown is coming out and saying such things? I feel like he's just even ignored this as an it's, even issue for decades. It's not progress. I heard similar quotes 25 years ago. I would right? also say, to, you know, to state we haven't made the playoffs in the past three years as the core issue in Cincinnati. I mean, that's not where the troubles and the identity of a team that does not really want to stand out began. Well, as a starting point, though, it's... Well, yeah. you know what? Coming from him, and I mean, this is Wes's territory, but well, I have heard enough. In my binder, my infamous binder, <laughs> there are highlighted and annotated quotes from Mike Brown that are almost word for word what he's saying now that we've lost a hold on our fan base. Right, just wheel them out. From 1996, from 1998, from 2001, from 2003. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a broken record. They are who they are and they're not, that, that, you know, this is that time where they make that statement and they'll go right back to being the Bengals we know. Let's uh, swing back to Big D. Yes, we don't know what, what the future holds with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, but very good news for one of the men that would hypothetically block and will block for Zeke Elliott once week one comes around. Travis Frederick to be active for the start of Cowboys camp. Rap Sheet had this. He'll avoid the NFI list and be ready to go. Uh, Frederick, of course, missed the entire 2018 season after being diagnosed with Guillain-Barr syndrome, an autoimmune disease that affects the nervous system, which is scary. I mean, that's scary business. You mess with a nervous system. I think this is one of the... Most underrated storylines of the NFL offseason and a huge development in the NFC East in the NFC wide because, they, I mean, we don't we hear the name of the syndrome and the more you read about it, you're like, wait a minute, this person is coming back from where they were a year ago to not people come back to work and sit in a desk and they can type again. But these coming back to play NFL center at a high level, it's that's not happening every day. Arguably the best center in the NFL prior to this diagnosis last year. And I, I don't see any reason why this is not a 12-win team. I just Their roster is so strong. You. Still tw- just 28 years old. So, Frederick, if he comes back and he is the guy that he was, that is a major piece uh, for Dallas returning to the fold. And other Cowboys news not returning to the fold, Alan Hearns, the wide receiver, um, he was released by the team on Tuesday. Uh, the move was confirmed on Wednesday. Hearns had one season with the Cowboys, ending in gruesome fashion with an awful uh, broken ankle suffered against the Seahawks in the playoffs. Um, Ian Rappaport reported that Hearns' ankle is ready to go, but after several months of rehab, uh, which kept Hearns out of OTAs and minicamp, um, excuse me, he did he did participate in OTAs and minicamp, uh, but the Cowboys are deciding to go in a different direction. Well, they have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Randall Cobb locked in as the top three. They've got Tavon Austin as their Swiss Army knife in the four role. 
where are the snap where were the snaps going to come from for Alan Hearns? And we talk about getting released at this time. It's never fun for the player who has to scramble to catch on uh, with teams that kind of have their rosters in order or have an understanding of what their roster is going to be or a plan. Uh, Hearns said, uh, I'm good. Just wish they did this earlier. They asked me for a pay cut Monday, a couple days before the camp, which is certainly fair. Certainly fair that he's a little miffed is what you're saying. Certainly fair that (laughs) if you're going to ask the guy to take a haircut, you know, go get a haircut. A little industry parlance. Right. Is it, I mean, there. is it still? <laughs> I think that's been around for like 50 years. It's been around, but is yeah. it something that we're still employing? <laughs> Isn't it great, the, though? I like it. It's great. Why, why, we should. We have a nice platform here at the Around the NFL podcast. We should be doing everything in our power to make sure it I will alter my the... attitude towards it and embrace it from here on out. <laughs> Some of us never had a hair to cut. Uh, once upon a time, you did. I meant metaphorically as far as what Alan Hearns is dealing with. I see. In other news, Andy Reid says that he is, quote, comfortable having wide receiver Tyreek Hill back with the team following Friday's news that Hill will not be suspended. Um, The NFL announced last Friday, as we talked about on Monday's show, that it could not conclude that Hill had violated the league's personal conduct policy and therefore will not be suspended. Um, Here's what... Reed had to say. Uh, let's talk about Tyreek. Uh, I know that's a that's a hot topic. So I, I, the the law enforcement side of it, uh, there have been statements made on that. Uh, there's been statements made by the Chiefs. There have been statements made by uh, Tyreek, and um, and with all those, we we obviously we were comfortable with Tyreek coming back here and and uh, and by the National Football League statements by the National Football League so we, we're comfortable with Tyreek coming back here look forward to bringing him back here and having an opportunity to uh, get back doing what what he loves to do um, he has some obligations that he'll he'll take care of uh, uh, as he goes and I'm not going to get into all that I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of end it after after this here but uh, we've all particularly you folks here you've all read all the statements and as we have, and um, we have the t- uh, trust in Tyreek and that we're going to go forward in a positive way here. You get the idea, Mark. You talked about it on Monday. You know, the Chiefs had also an opportunity here to step up, and if they decided that Hill, because of his actions, the, and specifically what we know for sure, which is the threat that that we heard in that um, recorded conversation between Hill and his fiance that they could step in and say, well, you're not going to play with us, but the Chiefs have chosen to go a different route, which is more in line with what the NFL decided. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, this is, seems like one of those scenarios where Reed and the PR man get together very close to say, here's exactly what you're going to open your news press conference with. Let's not have a lot of follow-ups about this. The PR and, guy was in like the corner of the press conference just staring at Andy Reid. Like, exactly. Not blinking. Exactly. It yeah. doesn't change anything that we discussed on our last show. Moving on. Oh, the town of friendly people, Pearl River. We back in business. Ex-Houston Texans general manager Brian Gain landed a new job with a former team. The Bills hired Gain as senior personnel advisor to assist with both pro and college scouting. The team announced Tuesday the Texans, in a surprise move, fired Gain as their GM after just one season in June. Tough news for Pearl River. We uh, were proud to see one of our own. We grew up on Quake Lane in Pearl River, about a stone's throw from the Hansis house. And um, we can keep playing that. I just like it. It's very nice. It makes me feel like 
I'm back at, in PR and it's the 4th of July and the fireworks in the cemetery. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I've always thought my whole life, even when I grew up, um, you know, not too far from Pearl River, far enough that you can knock someone from Pearl River down, but you know they're going to get back up. They're climbing out of that mine shaft. Do you know my mom? I've seen it over and over. My mom, I love Deb. She's the greatest woman. Well, other than my mom. She, and mine. She is actively, actively miffed that you could keep playing. Erica's mom too. That what? What are we talking about? Moms? It's this you thing where your mom is mom. the greatest mom, mom of the I world. I mean, that's fine that you think that, but there are other people that I have other... She's a wonderful that person. that my mom is the greatest. Now, I'm not saying that you need to believe You that. said it definitively as if it was something that we all believe too. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to put Deb on the phone with you and you can share I your I had a, about opinions. an hour and a half conversation that's with true. Deb at the Super Bowl. I'm, we're tight, but it, I think she'd understand where I'm coming from. The point I'm trying to make is that my mom, who grew up... Uh, well, she was born in Queens... Uh, in New York City and then as a young girl moved to Pearl River um, and she she loves the town where she grew up she has issues with how I sometimes uh, <laughs> portray portray Pearl River which to how me is ridiculous be? because I believe it's I portray it in a flattering light but opinions vary apparently <laughs> it's definitely uh, it's portrayed in a light <laughs> um, well Pearl River Brian Game back on his feet um, finally in the news before we get to um, 8 o'clock delight. Yes, a uh, well-known player is hanging up the cleats after 10 seasons. Sanchez takes the snap. Back left for the end zone for Holmes. Got it! Touchdown! There's the high point of my Jets fandom, as sad as that may seem. It was a divisional round playoff game against the New England Patriots in January 2011. Um, Mark Sanchez throws a beautiful ball. Santonio Holmes gets his toes down in the corner of the end zone. The Jets upset the Patriots 28-21 to in Foxborough. Uh, that is the famous can't-wait Bart Scott game. They then... They could wait, actually, because then they got beat by the Steelers the next week. Uh, but Mark Sanchez uh, is finished. He's retiring from ten, after 10 years in the NFL. Uh, he's taken a college football job at a- ABC ESPN. And I don't think that this is a career that deserves a long, winding um, uh, obituary or anything like that. But I, I will just say that for a guy that will be remembered, and perhaps fairly so, I get it, for the butt fumble, um, there is a large segment of football fans in the New York, New Jersey area that have fond memories of Sanchez and what he was able to do. And while the Jets defense in those early Rex Ryan years carried that team, go back if you care to and watch uh, highlights from those four playoff wins all on the road from Sanchez. And he made some big money throws as a 22, 23 year old kid who actually was a bit of a limited player. As it turned out, the jets drafted him to be a star. He was never close to that, but he had moxie had charisma. He didn't quite have the game to become a true franchise passer, but he had some really special moments. And for jets fans who haven't had a lot of special moments since Joe Namath, he will always be remembered fondly. I get it. The butt fumble. It's yeah. part of his legacy, but he was more than that. It's real. It's real different if you are a, a fan of a team that has to look back to that far to your last playoff appearances at all. And it's so he came very close to being 
Eric Mangini's quarterback in Cleveland. They traded with the, the Jets traded up, right. and the Browns wound up getting Alex Mack at number twenty-one. And I'll say one thing about like when you've seen what happened with Tony Romo, and I, around this time was when Tony Romo was criticized so roundly in his career for one or two mistakes he made, and it kind of the book was out on him. And I think that helped him as a broadcaster, along with his incredible smarts. But we've already seen some stuff from Sanchez. He's very good on air, and I kind of love what he's going to do with his next career because this is when the quarterback gets revenge, when they go have a nice <laughs> 20 or 30-year-long career where they're still in the limelight, and we learn to love them. I don't think about the fumble, and I don't really even think much about the playoffs. For me, when I think of Mark Sanchez, it's the first few NFL starts when he looked like a throwback to the 50s and 60s with his ball handling and sleight of hand. Mm. And it looked like we were seeing a guy who was going to be the Jets quarterback for the next decade. And I just never thought he got better after his first few starts. He, yeah, and he, after that second season, they actually, after the Bart Scott Patriots game, they fell behind 24-3 in the AFC title game against the Steelers. Almost came all the way back. They lost 24-19, and there was a, it will live in Jets infamy, a third and three. Roethlisberger rolls to his right and hits a young guy named Antonio Brown for the first down that let, Steelers run out the clock to clinch the AFC title. Every Jets fan that knows the game and was following what was going on in the second half just wanted to see Mark Sanchez get the ball one more time because he was playing incredibly well in the second half, and it's a great what-if in his career and in Jets history if they could have gotten that last stop, but they didn't, and that is it. Good luck, Mark Sanchez, and whatever comes next. Uh, Let us now hit 8 o'clock delight. All right. Jadavian Clowney, unsigned franchise tag player, expected to report before week one, Mark. Surprised? Well, I, I, I would have been a couple days ago, but Tom Pelissero talked to someone who said they'd be shocked if he missed any regular season games. Also from Tom Pelissero, he reports that, quote, no new deal is on the horizon at this point for Tom Brady, the Patriots quarterback, going on 42 years old. Another chip on the shoulder of the old man, Wes. Well, you never know if that lack of a contract is coming from Brady or from the Patriots, but Mike Giardi from NFL Network says there is some frustration from Brady's camp that this hasn't been taken care of yet. Mm, interesting. Drama. Spicy. Ricky. Cooper Cup, the Rams wide receiver who tore his ACL uh, last November, uh, will avoid the active pup list to open training camp. Great news. Mark Sassel for a team that missed Cooper Cup down the stretch last year. For a team that has questions about Todd Gurley, for a team that's wondering how Jared Goff will rebound from an ugly, ugly Super Bowl, this is a nice bit of news. Uh, here's some bad news for you, potentially, Mark. Seth Devolve watch. The Patriots have signed tight end Lance Kendricks. Isn't that the roster spot that Devolve would hypothetically have at this stage? I, I, as I tweeted, I think this is the move behind the move behind the move. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Bobby Wagner reports to the Seahawks. Duke Johnson also reports to the Browns West. So some people are reporting despite being unhappy. Yeah, it's good that Bobby Wagner's there. I, this seems like Earl Thomas is uh, the way he handled it last year, that he might not give 100% in practices, but he's still going to be there. Mark. I'm, I'm annoyed that this that on this Duke Johnson thing. I'm not saying he's the greatest running back on the planet, but that they're supposed to give him away for a bag of spoons because he's disgruntled. Don't do it. 
Mark, I know you're furious about this. The Redskins part ways with linebacker Mason Foster. Vent, this is your platform. I'm still coming to grips with this. Um, I'm working on a written piece, a personal diary piece that I, you know, I just need to dump out some emotions, a lot of yeah. uh, conflicting. Kind of like what I do with Sanchez just now. I thought your Mason Foster uh, monologue would have hit harder. I have raging forces inside <laughs> of me over this topic and not ready to discuss. Hey, uh, Wes, this is not a laughing matter, but Adrian Peterson is reportedly in financial ruin. Uh, a guy that's made more than double of any running back in NFL history, like $100 million, and he's got people coming after him over loans. It's like trying to keep water in your hands. Yeah. You, you, you just have to wonder, like, who is... <laughs> yeah, just like water. That's it. I'll leave it there. Uh, Andy Reid, exotic off-season activity. He had some Mexican food, uh, Mark. Once? What? Twice? That's it. I, okay. Need more, need really more information, please. <laughs> he was asked if he, uh, if he did anything fun or exotic, exotic this off-season, and he said that he had... Taco Bell. <laughs> no. He had chili relenos. Oh, those are great. Rellenos? I mean, stretch, stretch boundaries of the human experience whenever you can. That's my next project. Chili relenos. I'm going to make chili relenos. Um, that's what's happening in the news. All right. As promised, our next guest. You know who she is. <laughs> Senior writer over at ESPN. She's involved in roughly 400 ESPN programs and, and beyond. The queen of Bristol, Mina Kimes, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. Well, the queen of everywhere but Bristol, hopefully, <laughs> or that's not what I've managed so far. Uh, it's so good to have you, Mina, um, on the show. We are big fans of yours, and uh, we have been doing like a a dance for like a year or so. Like, we got to get Mina on the show, and finally, here we are. Yeah, same city, yet not together. I uh, know. Isn't it weird? Isn't and one quick weird? note. I mean, Greg, um, he had been very excited about being a part of this, but confided to... Uh, Dan and I this morning that he was a little too nervous to appear. So we're just going to forge yeah. on with the three of us. FYI. Got right. it. And the reason we have Mina on, uh, well, there's a lot of reasons, but the idea came from her latest profile um, for ESPN on Baker Mayfield headline. Baker Mayfield isn't afraid of the hype and it's a great piece. And uh, uh, Mina, as you I'm sure no. Mark Sessler is a huge Cleveland Browns fan, so this just felt like the perfect opportunity to have you on the show and talk about it for a, a few minutes. And um, let me start here. Well, let's get into it this way. So Hugh Jackson, uh, not Baker Mayfield's favorite guy, called Baker the Pied Piper. That is charisma, quote, has a way of drawing people to him. Uh, which you wrote in the piece a lot of people found deeply weird. Did you find that when you spent extended time with the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback? Well, I want to add a quick note on that Pied Piper analogy. While I was writing the piece, I actually looked up the Pied Piper story. I don't know if you guys know, but it's very dark. Oh, yeah. yeah. It ends yes. badly, right? Which, yeah. in retrospect, may have been accurate. So the Pied Piper ends up uh, you know, leading the rats out of the town. They don't pay him, so he like kills all the kids or leads them away from the town as well. <laughs> and may have foreshadowed some of the tension uh, between Baker and Hugh Jackson, because he did lead the team away from Hugh in, in some ways. Why is it that in the old days... The fairy tales that were read to children. Children slaughtered all the time in those fairy tales. I guess it was a way to keep them in line, they, well, but it's pretty heavy. You know, children only lived to be 14 or 15 years old in some of those olden times, so they were tougher at an earlier age, I think. Well, how else do you commemorate a tragedy? 
Well, that's that's, that's true too. You remember the victims. Anyway, so <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Uh, what what was your sense on the guy uh, spending? Uh, how much time did you spend with him for this? Um, you know, so I met him in Cleveland for that first interview, and we spent about an hour and a half or so in the Browns facility, and, and that was enough to come away believing not about the killing the kids part, but uh, the charisma <laughs> aspect of the. The Pied Pepper analogy really holds. I mean, the guy is, it, it's funny to me, guys, that he says, I'm not politically correct or I'm not a politician because he could run for president, right? Like, yeah. he's so freaking charismatic. And you hear stories about it. You did in college. He's the kind of guy who could, like, walk into a locker room and regardless of your age or your background, I think he can immediately connect with every single person. Is there anyone else, I mean, in terms of the charisma that he exudes, you've been around a lot of different football players and other athletes in different sports. Is he, does he remind you, like, right off the bat of someone else? I remember people used to say, like, when they walk into a room with Bill Clinton, not everyone, but some people, <laughs> felt like you could just feel his energy coming at you, and it was a very unique situation. It sounds like Baker has a little bit of that going on. Is there anyone else you kind of that comes to mind? Yeah, in the NFL, um, definitely none of the guys that I've – Profile. It's funny, I actually wrote a story about his uh, backup in Cleveland, Tyrod Taylor, who could not be more different from him, who is, is a wonderful person. And Baker himself, you know, talked about how kind he was. And in some ways, how that made him not, he said, didn't want to come and be an ass was his, his words uh, with respect to Tyrod. But, um, you know, I did a story on Aaron Rodgers a couple of summers ago. Very different. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, last summer, I actually thought that story, Jalen Ramsey was in the news today for the Brinks truck uh, stunt. Yeah. I thought, yeah, well, we don't have to talk about that. Yeah. I, I thought the, the Ramsey story was actually kind of interesting an interesting lens to think about Baker because while they're they're very different and they play different positions and I think their personalities mean different things for those positions, Jalen talked a lot of trash and was very much himself and I think he kind of caught the bad side of that last season, which is if you talk a lot of trash and you're yourself and your team doesn't back it up, it hurts. And I think that's the risk for Baker as well. Well, that's a great call. And also the with I think what Baker, what makes him different and he does feel different Um when you look at the the way the league is, especially at the quarterback position, and he even said in, the, in your piece, you write about how the even the idea of, quote, franchise quarterback, it's like a politician type term. He is outspoken. He's he, he can have rabbit ears on social media and sports media. He, he'll stir things up. He'll say things. And I feel like you think back in the NFL and especially the modern NFL, a lot of quarterbacks don't do that. So for, in some ways, you could look at Baker as a bit of a social experiment, right? For a guy that is going to be outspoken, say what's on his mind, but also be the leader of a team at quarterback, a position that's typically reserved for the stoic man that's the face of the team and yeah. never says anything interesting. I think that's what you're absolutely right. What's unusual about him is that he's a quarterback, right? Because if he was a defensive end, we wouldn't really, you know, he, honestly, he doesn't even talk that much trash. And um, But the fact that he sort of says what he thinks about everything and, and plays that position is unusual. Um, I talked to Drew Stanton for this story and the interview didn't make it into the piece. But, you know, there's a guy who's been in the league for 12 seasons at this point, been around a lot of number one picks. He was around Andrew Luck. And he had a lot of thoughts, interesting thoughts on the way that they've managed Baker in Cleveland from a football perspective compared to other quarterbacks he's been around. But from a personality perspective, he told me Baker's not like any other quarterback I've been around. And he did say he thought some of it was generational. You know, mm. Baker is very much a millennial. He is online like us. He is reading stuff. He is not afraid to express his opinions. And I, and I think there might be a bit of a sea change from here on out. 
Well, I think we've we've seen quarterbacks like this. To me, he's got shades of former Bears quarterback Jim McMahon. He's got some Brett Favre. And, yes. and those, like Jim McMahon was unreliable. He was injured constantly. Um, he was in trouble a lot to the point where it affected whether he was going to play or not. And Favre was the opposite. He was, he was a rock. He played every week. You couldn't get him out of the lineup. Um, so to me, that's kind of interesting that he has kind of both of those guys in him. And we'll see which one wins out. But I think I see more Favre in him. Like <laughs> that, young Favre. Yeah. No, that's the perfect comparison, Brett Favre. And uh, Lincoln Riley brought that up to me because he said, you know, Baker's the only quarterback I've been around who plays better emotional. And I, and we were kind of like trying to think of other quarterbacks. And he came up with Favre. And you guys might remember uh, Scott McLuhan, who was consulting for the Browns when they took Baker, um, was also a Brett Favre guy. And I think he saw shades of him in his former QB. I don't think that they draft Baker Mayfield, if not for Scott McLuhan. I agree. I'm convinced to this day. I, this this was in the piece, so I assume it's uh, in bounds, but I found it very interesting, <laughs> the nuggets that you uh, dug up on his, you know, he got married this summer, and I follow Emily <laughs> Wilkinson on, on Instagram just because I want to track, track what my <laughs> yes. quarterback sure. is doing, number one. Sure you do. But he is social media, media savvy, but at the same time, I found the, this nugget that to get her attention, because she was just like, who is this sort of thug quarterback guy <laughs> <laughs> he followed her and unfollowed her and followed her and unfollowed her on Instagram to get on her radar. I mean, that's like, I, I'm not sure that's something Baker Mayfield would want me to know, but I find it an interesting way to go for a future NFL quarterback. If you were to reboot uh, or reimagine Fear, the Mark Wahlberg, Reese Witherspoon classic, <laughs> that would be one of his early moves, like early on in the films. But I guess if you get the girl, uh, then it doesn't come off too poorly, I guess. You know, when I heard that, I was confused because Baker's so accurate, right? That's his hallmark, but he just kept shooting his shot. Uh, and it, Look, it worked, right? So who are we to question it? Absolutely. And and we also, you know, the Browns, the history, it's almost too perfect. And Mark, I know it's, Mark is the Browns fan. Mm-hmm. You, you're almost on guard because it, everything seems to be falling into place so beautifully for Cleveland that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. But... It's, he's the perfect guy to land in Cleveland. And I thought another part of your profile, again, everybody check it out on ESPN.com, uh, is when you ask him about all the hype. There are, people that are, there are people out there that are smart football people that think the Cleveland Browns can go to the Super Bowl this year, that they're going to win the division. Like, that's a real thing that's out there. I do. And you ask him if, if it feels weird to have so much hype, and he says, for them, not for me, for everyone else around here, it's been pretty terrible to be part of this team for a while. <laughs> and that's so true. And, Mark, you could speak to this more than anyone anyone yeah a lot of hype around the Browns it could backfire and that's we've seen it happen with a thousand teams before but you know what it's a lot better than being made fun of constantly for being one in 31 or whatever it is or 12 and 98 or whatever the run was before that like this is better it is better I think the offseason is just so long that there is already exhaustion with a team that just simply won seven games last year we're not talking about Patriots exhaustion except people seem some people seem just as tired of the Browns but I wonder I mean about being there do you feel like the quarterback and the team are able to kind of get beyond all that and just stay focused? I do. Um, by the way, the dismissive tone about the Browns winning the division, I certainly think they're going to win the division. Uh, I do too. Super Bowl is a little, it's yeah, like, be competitive. you know, slow your roll. It is a competitive, a competitive division. I do. I agree. Uh, you're probably going to get two playoff teams out of here, but um, I do think Baker is capable of doing it. You know, there's this question that I posed in the piece of, well, what's going to happen if he encounters adversity. You know, the beginning of the schedule, there's some challenges there. Um, 
but he's encountered adversity before. I think the fact that last season, um, after winning that initial game, they had so many losses, and it was obviously a circus-like environment in Cleveland. We now know we now know more about the fact that he kept his head down and uh, was able to just kind of steer through it. I think is important and instructive. Now they've got a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, there on that offense now and he's got to navigate that but he navigated as well in college too and I guys I like I'm very high on him not having a sophomore slump I suppose just because of the ways in which he improved over the season last year I, I have concerns about this offensive line it's probably the biggest concern I have about the team but the fact that he was able to like his decision making um you saw I think him and Freddie Kitchens kind of come together as the season went on. I, I think I think that they'll be fine this year. Yeah, and people underestimate how much a player like Odell can open up an offense. Ooh. I don't see any way how they're not going to be much better. And I really did put a star by that. The sentence we've been talking about where he talks about, you know, for them, not for me, for everyone else around here, it's been pretty terrible to be a part of this team. <laughs> because the contrast with the other team in Ohio, which is still haunted, which went through the 90s and had quarterbacks that were the polar opposite of Baker Mayfield and Andy Dalton and Carson Palmer personality-wise. And I think it's easier for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield to come in and eradicate all those ghosts in the building because of that charisma and that personality. And I'm not sure the Bengals have done that yet. Um, Go ahead, Mina. Oh, no, I was just, it was a, a sad O about the Bengals. <laughs> I don't want to talk Very about Very appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the focus of your next profile at ESPN. Uh, I mean, uh, hey, um, you're not just, a, you know, a great profile profile writer. You got a lot of irons in the fire, including you hosted a show, co-hosted a show uh, with The Ringer, Big Little Live, which is, first of all, <laughs> really nice job with the title. Kudos oh, on that. Thanks. Um, your thoughts, because I don't know, Wes, uh, a few weeks back on our show, uh, wrote sea poems or spoke sea poems about the show. What were, you, what were your thoughts about season two of Big Little Lies? I th- oh, the music. I thought that I feel like I should change the tone of my voice, go a little more in- NPR on you guys. Um, that's my Russell Wilson contract announcement voice. I like it. <laughs> hey, around the NFL. Um, Top of no, Mount I- Kilimanjaro voice. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I thought that the acting was incredible. I thought the plot didn't quite hold me as much as it did in season one. Um, but I thought overall it was, you know, for this time of year, is the perfect summer, you know, television show. Is there a season three? I kind of hope not. I don't know. I think that they've exhausted the run of this. Um, they've That's said in the feeling. past it would be two seasons, but you never know. I would like it. I do season three, but Meryl Streep has a twin. <laughs> and she comes in and unleashes her brand of chaos. Ooh, that sounds that fun. Feels like I a like bridge that. too far. Um, <laughs> it is good, though. I mean, uh, the prestige TV era that's ongoing, we're kind of out of the from the enormous shadow of Game of Thrones, which is nice. Ricky Hollywood behind the glass threw it out there. I need a show to watch. I, I nominated Euphoria, and me and I saw you back that up on, uh, it's on, on Twitter. List, yeah. That's yeah, the well, one, Ricky. Yeah. That's a great... It's almost like a throwback HBO show to the old days where it's it's titillating and a little wild and it's yeah. it's meant to scare away certain people. The stuff that they removed from their <laughs> library about a year ago. I mean, I, I liked Euphoria too. I thought you were already watching. I suggested Silver Spoons, which Wes agreed with. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Why yeah. that's not getting... There's that generational divide again between Erica <laughs> yeah. and the boys on the other side of I the table. Ricky would like a, a young Ricky Schroeder. Um, finally, before, before you go, 
Mina, and again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I want to give you our version. It's kind of like our old game, Qual es tu fantasia? Uh, what's your fantasy? Um, where I'm just going to give you an either-or scenario, a little sliding doors action. Boy, okay. Okay. Uh, ready. You're a diehard Seahawks fan. True. Which I love, by the way. Tough times. Because right we keep it real here in the studio um, about who we root for, and Mina's out here covering the NFL and just being like, I, I grew up with the Seahawks with my old man, and I just that's who I support, and I still do. So I respect that. Mina. No. I can't hide it. I have a Super Bowl tattoo. I'm not going to pretend. Nice. Do you really? First, what, is, what is regrettably, it? Where it's, is um, it? <laughs> it's a 48 Roman numerals. My brother and I made a pact um, if awesome. we ever won, because, you know, obviously it was the first, that we would get them together. Wow. I was, I, I was worried that it was the one where the referees banged you <laughs> against the Steelers and you, pre, you got it before the game, and that would have been bad. But, okay, that's good that you got the W. Um, all right, here we go. If... I could tell you that in Super Bowl 49, the famous pass, of course, which we don't have to dwell on. I'm happy to get into it. Yeah, but if you could go back in time, and I won't guarantee anything else other than the ball is handed. Is that Lenny in the background? It is. Tell him to keep it down. He heard Super Bowl 49, and he was like, Mom, get out. Enough. Um, All I could tell you is instead of the the famous play call, the pass, they hand the ball to Marshawn. Okay. I can't tell you whether the play works. Would you be willing to live in a universe, butterfly effect, uh, that doesn't include the Etch-A-Sketch? Oh, yeah. For sure. It's gone. Um, it's, and nothing like it ever replaces it. This is easy. No, this is easy. Because Etch-A-Sketching, like, I, I, I've gone months without doing it recently. I've been busy. So I don't mind getting that. I will say, I don't think that they should have handed it to Marshawn. Um, but... Obviously, the interception was the worst, worst case scenario. Like, I would have rather have got him gotten stuffed, which is what I think would have been the most likely outcome, than the interception. Interesting. See, I guess uh, because we don't know each other personally, I just imagine you to be on the Etch-A-Sketch like 14 hours a <laughs> day. She know, day. Would she know that Etch-A-Sketch ever no, existed? No, it just, it's gone. It's well, like then, a leaf butterfly. Then you're effect. none the... You would... If, yeah. if she knew that it didn't exist and she remembered it from a different universe, that would be tough to deal okay, with. Okay, now you know it existed, but you can't recreate <laughs> it. It's gone. I think I would have found another outlet. Okay. Um, yeah. The amount of times that that uh, interception, the GIF or whatever is sent to me, it would be worth it to eliminate Well, that. that's true. <laughs> uh, speaking as a Jets fan who gets the butt fumble 47 times a week, mm. uh, I, I feel your pain there. All right, Mina, again, check it out. Baker Mayfield isn't afraid of the hype uh, on ESPN.com. She also has a podcast, The Mina Kime Show, featuring Lenny, the great Lenny. Um, and she's on all those other shows on ESPN. The Levitard Show does great, great work on and so many other things. And we just thank you for coming on the show and giving us a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mina. Mina. Thank you. Kimes. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. There she goes. Mina Kimes. Delightful. Oh, she's great. Got to have her back on the show. Yeah, I think it's like we are in a time where sports writing for a lot of people has been reduced to lists. Here's a list of this or that. And it's like, that's is this really the upper echelon of why you started into this, she's still pounding out these stories where news, five or six news stories come from it and you get to know a player in mm-hmm. a way you wouldn't have. So kudos to her. And she's on like 640 television shows. So a busy lady. Ricky, get that te- bag. tell us what you think of Mina Kimes. I think she's absolutely incredible. She's she's so, been on the broadcast, correct? Oh yeah, she's a, she's abroad, a fellow abroad. She, she's so impressive. She's so smart. She is not just your typical, you know, 
girl reporter writer too not to throw shade to any of those yeah she she's one of a kind i I absolutely adore her and lives up in the hollywood hills oh yeah which you know at some point i think we need to get up there by invitation (laughs) well preferably (laughs) or whatever means necessary yeah we could storm the gates perhaps as a backup plan that has Um, not worked well for certain people in the past you said she's been on the broadcast yeah podcast of course that you do with emma vp um, I've also been a guest. I think we all have. Everyone. Are we all broads then? Yeah, you're oh, broads. Like nice. That, that yeah. gives us, that's a, that's a line for the resume. For honorary the Twitter broad. Bio. Yeah, honorary broad. Um, all right, let's get out of here. By the way, this is it. Tonight, The Shield, 10-2, and two, the number one seed in the playoffs, uh, plays for our third consecutive championship. Uh, the hashtag, West that I've been using all season long in the emails I've sent out. Do you recall? No, because when I see a hashtag, (laughs) my mind just glazes over. (laughs) Defend the dynasty has been the hashtag. And uh, this is our chance to do it. Erica, this is your first time um, for a season with the Shield. Uh, You'll be getting uh, important innings behind the plate tonight. Uh, Where are the butterflies at for you? Feeling good. Feeling confident. Feeling uh, feeling excited. Good, too. Feeling dangerous? Feel, I woke up feeling dangerous today. <laughs> Shaved nice. my head, wore my best underwear. Play ball! You know, treated myself to a, a high-octane sandwich. I'm savoring this. This Whoa. could be, you never know, it could be my last could be it. championship could day. Could be the last hurrah. Best underwear. Uh, you got it. Well, I mean, 99% of us have favorite underwear, Mark, because we wear underwear. <laughs> I currently do, and I, I have a favorite. I bought a series of three that I, you know, whenever they're out of the wash. For newer listeners to the show, because it hasn't come up in a while, uh, Mark, uh, it was well-known went commando at all times and a bit of a hippie throwback type thing it's not the case as you've moved today. away I just got tired of that I did that because I wanted to and then I didn't want to mm-hmm. but I don't regret having done that do you are you always in the underpants now <laughs> not always there what do you is. mean by that I mean I take showers no, sometimes I mean, like, you wake up feeling dangerous it, oh you mean if I were to go out onto the street in yeah. jeans or something no I, I would say Yes, I would say almost like We're always. going as a, the three of us and um, our buddy Jason Zumwalt. We are going to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Thursday. I will be wearing... Well, I know yeah. well, a thin slice of denim. Will that be the only yes. thing separating us <laughs> no, from your No, no, I will be wearing underwear for that event. <laughs> me undies. <laughs> I think uh, me undies changed it, actually. Changed the game. Look at when that. we had that sponsor, but, I think But, you know, they're not a sponsor anymore. I, I would love them to be again. <laughs> Uh, just when enough. they come back and then they, we can tell and them. they take the bag out and they right. give us the bag we'll talk about the ballpark that couch. company they changed my life <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we're gonna play our, our championship game and there will be a um, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it on Friday's show I mean it's gonna really suck if we lose because we'll have to address it in a press conference anything's possible but this is this is the most comfortable I've felt about our team going into the tournament Unless anyone think Wes and I take it too seriously, we will be at, heading to the ballpark very early to scout the semifinal matchup uh, just to get some notes on the, our opponent in the 9 p.m. first pitch. And we will use those notes to our advantage. Now you, got, you got into it with the ump or a, someone last time. Are you concerned that same individual will be overseeing your, <laughs> your game again? That seems I mean, like bad. He's a mook. There's no way they would assign him to the championship game. He's a mook. All right. He's a ham and egger in that industry. <laughs> So he was not he was not the best uh, craftsman at umpire during the they, season. It's just like any other sport. They're going to put their best people on the games that count. I imagine they're going to have a full crew, including down Hashtag the left and right NFC field championship. line for yeah. this. Yes, you're going to see the outside 
outside the shirt chest protectors from the old American League. You can see Absolutely. everything. There. So we're all we're very excited, and uh, there will be a party at a. Uh, uh, Tony Garcia, our short star shortstop's uh, yacht club, immediately after the game. So hopefully that will be a celebration. Mm, and maybe not, not immediately. And maybe and and not like a. Uh, remember when Gronk on the bad ankle was dancing in Indianapolis after Super Bowl? What was it? Forty seven. I just called Super Bowl Giants too. Yes, exactly. This is my first healthy championship for the Shield. I'm looking forward to it. Not a trace of cancer in his bones or his body, and it's a wonderful no, thing. No hamstrings snapping like a twig. <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. We gotta get we gotta prep. Thanks again to Mina Kimes. Uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, and Ricky Hollywood. Just just four broads chopping it up on a podcast. <laughs> Till Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.